The following podcast is a part of the Spin Studio Network. Hello, Sunshine, and welcome to She Was the Fire. It's time to stop dancing in the dark. Let's start your fire and ignite your spark. I really fumbled over my words there. Sorry. This is Courtney, and welcome to episode 29. Today, we are talking about babies, the pressure to have children, the ticking biological clock, and freezing my eggs. So today's episode was actually planned to be about productivity struggles, But I had you guys send in some questions for that and there were so many good questions and so many topics. I just didn't feel like I could actually fit it into one episode and it was going to be a really long one. So what I've decided to do instead is do mini episodes. So in the coming weeks, what I'm going to do is sort of like 15 minute things where I just address like how to prioritize, just really quick bite-sized episodes that you can consume quite easily. And that's what you voted for. So I put up a poll and that's what you chose. So that's what we're going to do. So instead today I'm focusing on children, freezing my eggs, that whole thing. But before we get into it, as always, I'm just going to ask that you share this podcast on Insta stories or tag a friend in my latest post talking about the podcast, whatever it is, word of mouth. Love that. Just get it out there and we can spread the word. Okay. Firstly, let's get into what I've been up to. So I have another pet scan coming up on Monday. So this is obviously live on Tuesdays. That means I will have had it yesterday by the time you're hearing this. I am nervous about it, definitely. So it's to kind of see if those two spots, the one in my spleen and one in my bowel, have um, changed, increased, if they kind of can get to the bottom of exactly what they are. So I'm a little bit nervous to hear that. It's not like I'm going into this with nothing. You know what I mean? Like there is something there. They just don't know what it is exactly. So I am interested to find out what that is um, and put my mind at ease that it's like nothing sinister, but also like, of course, I think I would be only human if I, you know, like I'd be a robot if I wasn't nervous going into something, knowing that there could be potentially something going on, you know? And I think anytime for the next five years, I get a PET scan, I'm going to be nervous. It's not a pleasant experience to like lie there for 30 minutes in like a very small space and all you have are your thoughts. And so it's like not, you know, the greatest of things, but I'm usually pretty good at keeping my mind under control. I kind of repeat mantras back to myself a lot about like you are, your mind and body are healthy, your mind and body are healthy and kind of just repeat that back to myself over and over again. Um, but yeah, so that's coming up on Monday. So yeah, I'm just trying to like keep it out of my mind for the minute. I'm a bit nervous about it, but not too bad. Um, I went to trivia this week at Fat Freddy's, which was fun. We came second and we lost out on like a stupid fucking question. We lost by one point and there was a question in there about Tom Cruise. What are the three movies he's been nominated for Oscars for? And we had all three and at the last minute changed it. So in case you get this question, the answer is Jerry Maguire, Born on the 4th of July and Magnolia. So we had those three and then we changed Magnolia to Rain Man and and we changed Jerry Maguire to A Few Good Men. I mean, he's been in some great films. What can I say? Um, so we lost by one point, so it was really disappointing. Um, and then we, I watched, been watching The Crown this week. 
um, which I am really enjoying seeing that Diana element. It also is weird to start to see things that become a little bit more familiar now. A lot of the previous seasons of The Crown, I don't have any memory because I wasn't alive for most of it. But now a lot of this stuff with Diana coming up, it's like, oh, yes, I remember seeing this footage, like whether it was like, you know, when I was really young or if I've seen it come up in the years past. So that's been quite interesting to watch. I haven't got my final word on it yet because I'm not through the whole of the season yet. Um, last weekend was pretty low key. I just tried to like rest as much as I could because I've been kind of go, 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 go. I tried really hard not to do too much work. It was semi-successful um, and I've been designing a new product for Courtney Mangan Co. And that's pretty much where we're at. I'm hoping to release the product before Christmas, but I'm having a bit of issues with my supplier getting things on time. It's a very busy time of year. Um, so I'm just not sure I am trying my best though. And I think that's pretty much all I've been up to. All right, let's get into the fire starter for the week. And it is I Don't Want to Be by Gavin DeGraw. Words and lyrics that resonate with me. I don't want to be anything other than what I've tried to be lately. All I have to do is think of me and my peace of mind. I'm tired of looking around rooms wondering what I got to do or who I'm supposed to be. I don't want to be anything other than me. And that was kind of a key thing for today's episode because a lot of what I will talk about, well, some of what I'll talk about today will be the pressure that women feel to have children. And so that was what that song, you know, when I read that, I was like, oh, that really resonates with me for this topic. All right, let's ignite today's topic. We're talking babies. All right. So I guess let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start, as they say in The Sound of Music. Um, And I guess growing up as a kid, I, you know, or a youth, whatever, like, you know, my teen years, I was always very career driven and, um, I didn't really, I guess the shows I kind of gravitated towards focused on women who one, didn't want children or two, women who had children very late in their career. So, you know, Sex in the City, The West Wing, Ally McBeal, you know, Grey's Anatomy, I Love Oprah, you know, all of those kinds of the key women in those shows had either kids very late or never had kids at all. It was kind of, I guess, what I was growing up sort of modeling on what I wanted my life to look like. And they were all very career driven. And that's always been the goal of mine. I've had friends who, you know, they know the names that they want for their children and they know the kind of dress that they want at their wedding and the kind of engagement ring that they want. And it's not anything that I really ever, I don't have like a secret, I've talked about before, I don't have a secret Pinterest board that I'm hiding that when like I'm ready to get engaged, it like just reveals itself. You know, I don't have a list, a book or, you know, anything written down with baby names that I like. I just, um, I don't know, I've just never really pictured that. But it's not to say it's something that I've definitely ruled out. It's just not something that I've ever really wanted, not necessarily that I haven't wanted it, if that makes any sense. So, you know, it's like the other factor I think is also that I have been single for a very long time. I'm just really comfortable being independent. I'm not someone who, you know, I have friends who really like being in relationships and they crave having that person there um, and being, you know, in a little twosome. And I don't have that at all. I'm really satisfied just being on my own. I don't have that sort of like, I don't ever get lonely, none of that kind of stuff. So I haven't really had any kind of like urgency to get out there and start dating. Um, Obviously I've been in relationships before. I've lived with my ex-partner and all that kind of stuff. But even when I was dating, it was never really like, 
I was never really picturing the wedding or anything like that. Just I was quite young then, so I just never really thought about it. Um, and then obviously the last few years I've had a lot of health issues, so it's just not really something that I've been like, you know what I want to start doing? Be the girl that goes dating when she has cancer. You know what I mean? Like I had a lot of friends be like, you know, get out there. But to me it was like I need to be really careful of my mental health. You know, I was in a very – um, you know, I was given a very bad diagnosis. And so I was doing all this personal growth work to make sure that my mental health was in a good place, that I was being positive and working on mind over matter and all that kind of stuff. And you know what it's like when you start texting a boy or dating a boy or a girl, whatever, and it's like, you're waiting for them to reply. Or if they then don't like you, you're like, you know, disappointed. And I didn't need all of that drama thrown into the mix, you know? So yeah, it's been a long time. So sometimes I think like, am I not really thinking about it because it's not my situation. If I was in like a long-term relationship with a man who really wanted kids, would that change my perspective? I don't know. So I think that's sort of also been a hard factor for me, but around, I guess, you know, in my twenties, I wasn't thinking about it at all. I was never the person that was like, can I please hold the baby? I've never said the words clucky in reference to myself. You know, I've never wanted to spend time with kids. If somebody asks me to hold their baby, I usually decline. And when they force me to hold the baby, I've never been more uncomfortable in my life. I kind of like kids when they're at the point where they can like kind of interact a bit more with you. So Emily Sky, her daughter Mia is, I think like two and a half, almost yeah, she'll be three in December. So she, you know, is a little bit more talky and kind of engage with you a little bit more. And, you know, I like kind of playing with her a little bit, but, you know, at the end of the night, I, I want to give it back. You know, I'm like, okay, that's all I'm done. Bye. You know, I'm not the kind of person that wants to like hang out with kids all the time. And, you know, a lot of my friends love it. Even when they have kids, they want me to like hold their baby. They're like, no, 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 like hold my baby. Like as if it's going to change the whole game because I love my best friend. So then I should therefore feel this extra connection to her child, but it just hasn't clicked like that. But then I also feel that my mum does the same thing. She never wants to hold any of the babies. She said that she never really was clucky, never clicked with any kids, but I guess at some point that changed for her. So I have always had in the back of my mind, like maybe one day that will change. When I was about 28, 29, I went and saw a gynecologist because my GP thought that I might have um, endometriosis. So I guess 28, 29 was the first time that I really had sort of thought about fertility in like a medical sense. And the doctor had kind of said to me that she thinks I did have endometriosis and she kind of flagged the whole like, you know, you're 29 now, it's a good idea to freeze your eggs. And I was like, I don't think I need to freeze my eggs yet. And she said, you know, by the time you're 35, they really decline, but it's better to get them sort of when they're more at their prime when you're 29. And um, I just thought like, no, that's not something that's on the cards for me. I don't even know if I want kids. Like I've still got plenty of years left. So I just kind of left it. And then when I turned 30, shortly just before that, I had my first melanoma scare and my friends had started to get married and they were sort of heading towards that baby track. I definitely started to feel that loud tick tick biological clock feeling. And it wasn't so much that I was like, I need to have kids soon. It was more like, I need to make up my mind about kids soon. And I just feel like there's no way to, like, it just has to one day change, right? You can't force that decision. It's really hard because there's this thing for women where it's like, if you don't want kids, you're callous or you're not caring, you know, there's something wrong with you. 
I don't feel like there's something wrong with me, but then I feel like sometimes there is because society makes me feel like this is what I'm supposed to want. And I don't know if it's just because I haven't spent heaps of time around kids. As I said, I've been single for a very long time, so that thing just hasn't clicked with me yet. Or if it's because I just don't want children, I'm never going to want children. I have no idea. There are definitely things, times like at Christmas, I think like, oh, you know, I do love the aspect of like family getting together for Christmas. And, you know, when I'm older, I would like to have that whole sort of family around me kind of thing. In order to do that, I'd need to have children unless I, you know, add myself onto somebody else's family. Um, You know, so there's those little aspects. And then, you know, a lot of mums talk about, you know, like it's, and dads, like it's the, the greatest love you'll ever know. You don't know your heart like opens up and you know, changes you in such a way. And the whole point of life is to have children, all of that. And I think like, oh, you know, am I, am I making the wrong decision? And you think about, you hear about people being like on your deathbed, you don't think about all the business deals that you did. You think about all the time you spent with your family and your kids. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to fucking be on my deathbed and think, you know, that was a great bloody podcast. You know, like, what am I going to do? But then you can't just go out and have kids unless you fucking want them, you know? So it's really hard. So it's not that I don't want them. It's just that I don't, I don't not want them, but I don't do want them. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's kind of a bit confusing. I think it's so hard because society's voice is so loud for women. It's just, I don't, don't know. I'm not a man, but I can't, assume that it's as much pressure because like, I mean, men can have children in like a a lot older because their sperm, I guess, isn't like as on a downward spiral as women's is when they hit 35. But yeah, so then around my 30th, I guess I started to feel a little bit more, which again is not because I was like, just one day, like, oh, I'm just feeling pressure. It was like, I'm 30. Women, women as a 30, women as in their 30s are supposed to be thinking about these things. Time is running out. You know, it was a society and a medical thing that was like really putting the pressure on me, not my own emotions, I suppose. Um, and then cancer, <laughs> I guess, like my second cancer. Um, and that kind of really kicked up the whole baby thing again. So, when I got my diagnosis in December last year, I straight away, and I've talked about this before, the first thing I did was like, what will my regrets be if I die? And I thought, you know, if I die in six months time or whatever, that's okay. I didn't have kids. That's all right. I loved my life. It was okay. Like, that's all right. But then, you know, as I started to be like, well, no, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to get through this cancer stuff and start to change my mindset a bit more. It was like, well, you know, do I need to start thinking a little bit more about my future and being a bit more proactive rather than just like letting it kind of happen to me? And I had a lot of pressure from friends that were saying like, get in the dating scene, get in the dating scene. But like, I just wasn't ready. It was too much baggage for me. One, to put on somebody else to be like, hi, I'm, I have cancer. Do you want to date me? You know what I mean? Everyone was like, you know, any good guy would never leave you because you've got cancer. I'm like, sure. But you can't blame someone that doesn't want to date someone who's in the middle of like they have cancer. I I couldn't blame someone for that. Like, honestly, I don't fucking want to be in a relationship with myself with cancer. Never mind somebody else. You know what I mean? So I get that. So for me, it was like there's just so much baggage and so much emotional shit going on for me right now. I don't want to put myself in that position. and I'm just not ready to put someone else in that position either. So I just wasn't comfortable, I guess, 
So then I guess it was in January when I was about to start my immunotherapy. Now, I was pretty scared of getting my very first treatment. I didn't know a lot about it. I didn't know how my body was going to react. You know, there was a lot riding on it working. Um, It was the very start of the year and I kind of put all of these routines in place to get myself in a good headspace. That's when I did my first Dance It Out song. If you see my Insta story that I sort of every every morning before amino, I dance it out just to get all the bad energy out and I would the night before I'd do all this like calming relaxing stuff, meditation, this whole routine that I had to get myself in a good frame of mind. And to be honest, I was pretty terrified. And I rocked up to the doctor's office and sat down ready to, so you go into the doctor's office first and they approve all of your blood tests. And then he um, orders the immunotherapy drug. They make it there and then, and then they administer it to you. So I went into the doctor's office to get the approval from for my bloods. And he said, look, I'm not going to let you have immunotherapy today. I would like you to speak to a fertility doctor. And I was like shocked. I had done all this prep work. Like I was mad one that I wasn't like told before I went in there that he was going to do that. I had to get myself like in, you know, in the right frame of mind. and I was ready to go for this, you know, cancer treatment. And then he turned around and said like, no, we're not going to do it today. It was like, what? You know, it just felt like this really disappointing moment that it was like, wow, I've worked myself up to this and now it's not going to happen. And it also really felt like society was pushing an agenda yet again. And that seems really extreme, but my headspace was like, get the fucking drugs in me. Like I'm scared of this cancer killing me. Get me the drugs, get me the drugs. And then I have a doctor saying to me, I need you to delay getting the drugs in order to speak to a doctor and potentially freeze your eggs. And I was like, I don't want to delay anything. I want to be alive. Please give me the drugs. And he was just like, no, I really think that you need to speak to a doctor. We don't know how immunotherapy can impact your fertility. And there hasn't, you know, immunotherapy hasn't really been around that long. So they don't know exactly like, you know, chemotherapy, it's on the record as it can impact your fertility. But with immunotherapy, there's no such evidence to show that it does have an impact yet. So it's just sort of like be on the safe side. But I was like ready to run the risk. I was just like, give me the drugs, give me the drugs. (laughs) Um, And I was just really stressed, but he was just very adamant that he wanted me to wait. And I just felt this pressure again to be like, I'm supposed to know if I want kids and I'm about to, you know, I don't know what I fucking want. And now I'm going to put my life on the line for a decision I don't even know about. You know what I mean? Like to me, it felt like very life and death. Like my doctor was like, no, it's okay to delay. And I'm like, but then what if the cancers are growing? You know, like what if there's more in there and I need these drugs now, you know? So it was a really hard decision for me. And I think it was, it would have been made easier if I a hundred percent knew I didn't want kids or a hundred percent knew that I did, because then I would have been like, well, no, I do want kids. So I want to make this decision for myself. Or if I didn't, I could have said, no, like, fuck you, doctor. It's not your choice about what I do with my body. I want the drugs, you know, but because I wasn't sure, I felt like this whole bunch of confusion. And that was actually a really bad day. My mum was with me at the time, thank goodness, because it was my first treatment. So she came with me and then we left the doctor's office and we went to get some lunch. I just remember being so mad. I was just so angry. And like, I I know that now these aren't like super rational choices, but you have to remember that the moment that I'm in and the headspace that I'm in, like I've worked myself up into a tizzy to get to the state to be ready to have these drugs. And now I'm being told that my life-saving drugs are not going to happen. 
you know, and I'm having to put something on hold potentially for children, which I haven't had like strong feelings towards, you know. So for me, it was just like, fuck, I'm so mad at myself for not knowing what the fuck I want. You're 34 years old at the time. I was 33 years old, Courtney. Why don't you know what you want? Like I was mad at myself. I was mad at society for making me feel like I'm supposed to want kids. Is that what's making the confusion? Do I actually not want them but society is making me feel like I should or is it because I've been single for too long? I just don't know. You know, like all of those things were weighing on my mind and it was just like it was a lot that day. I was just so disappointed. And I remember that when I was on a few months later after my treatment had started and I had my eggs frozen and everything, I kind of told a bit of that story on the Happy Hour podcast with Lucy and Nikki. Um, and I was on that podcast to talk about sun safety and Gina was also a guest. Um, Gina Savage, she was actually um, also another person who has melanoma and she at the time had terminal melanoma. Um, and I think now that actually, thank goodness that her melanoma is shrinking. So that's amazing. Um, or her, you know, the, uh, the cancer in her body is shrinking, but, um, I remember kind of telling that story that I was like, you know, it was really hard because I had to put things on hold for my freezing my eggs. And she kind of threw in there, like, you know, I'm jealous of you because I didn't get that option. Her cancer was so advanced that she didn't get the choice to do that. And, um, you know, a lot of her, she does have cancer and stuff like in her ovaries and things like that she talked about. So she kind of was like, you know, on the flip side, like at least you got the option. And at the time I felt really guilty about that. And I was like, wow, I am like a really shit person. So many women, one, can't have kids or two, like, you know, because of their cancer and stuff, they get the options taken away from them. And here I am being so selfish that I even had the option to get it. But then I always think about something that, you know, Sarah, I've heard Sarah Davidson say before um, that telling people, and I've heard, I think Brene Brown say it as well, that telling someone that they can't be upset because somebody else has it worse off is like saying you can't tell someone to be happy because somebody else has it better off. And I think that it's something a lot of us struggled with during COVID where it was like, you know, we had trouble being at home, but we still had jobs. And so then we felt guilty. It's like, well, some people, you know, people are dying from this. You've just got to stay inside. It's not that bad, but it's all like your own little bubble, the world you're living in. Your head is where you're living, not like in other, someone else's reality. You're only walking in your own shoes. So for me, even though I did feel guilty about that, I've kind of come to terms with it now that it's like, you know, how I felt was valid. It was a fucked up situation to have to feel, I felt like I was putting something on hold that could potentially have disastrous health effects for me. You know, I could have been that the cancer grew to a point during that time that was really bad to put something on hold that I didn't even really know that I wanted. So it was, it was pretty fucked up for me. So anyway, I, decided I sat down and talked to my mom about it and just spent a lot of time thinking about it. And I thought, I'm just going to take the emotion out of it. I'm going to take society out of it. I'm going to take all of my emotions, my feelings, everything out of it and just think with my head. And my head was saying, talk to the doctor. And if you can get it done in less than a month, give yourself some options. And then you can decide later on what you want to do about the kids thing. Don't make this decision now. The smart play is give yourself options and then get your cancer treatment. The doctors wouldn't let me do it if it wasn't safe. So that's what I decided to do. So I went to the specialist. He got me in really quickly. So thankfully my oncologist 
you know, had a relationship with this doctor and said, like, she needs to get in now, now, now. We can't delay the drugs much longer. So there is a window for taking your immunotherapy and they like you to do it within 12 weeks of the surgery. And so I'd had my surgery at the start of December and now we were at the start of January. So I did have a little bit of a window. Um, and so I went in and I got some tests done and I sat down with him and he kind of went through all the options and said, look, because I was on the pill, it meant that if I went off the pill straight away, I'd get my period within a few days, which was really lucky because a lot of women, you know, if they're not on the pill, they have to wait for it to be a certain time in their cycle. But thankfully, because I was on the pill, I could just straight away kick that cycle in. So I went, he said to me, like, if you go off the pill today, we can get all of this done within, you know, four weeks. So I said to myself, okay, that seems like the smart play. Give myself options. I said to myself, if we can do it within a short window, then I would do it. So I agreed to do it. Um, So I had my blood tests and stuff that day and I went off the pill there and then. Then um, on the 7th of January, I went back into the doctors and had another test with my AMH levels, um, which like I don't know a lot of medical stuff to be honest, so don't quote me on any of this, but it helps to detect your egg count um, so that, you know, they kind of see where they're at for the surgery. And they scheduled my surgery for the 24th of January. So on that day, I was also kind of like um, given like a just a rundown of how the process kind of works, the costs involved, all that kind of stuff. So I did the test on the 7th. Then on the 13th, I went back in to get another blood test and I was given my drugs. So you get them in like a little carry bag and they have to be refrigerated and you're given drugs for, I think it's like 10 to 14 days and you have to administer them yourself. So on that very first time, what they do is they sit down with you. I went in at 7am, got the blood test for them to check like my baseline to see where I'm at. They show you how to give, how to give yourself the needle. And I think for like the first week, it's one needle. And then the week after that, it's two needles. They kind of go through that process. And it's just about then like the needles just sort of prepare your body for the egg extraction um, and kind of make them all juicy so they're like easier to suck out. And um, it was that day that they kind of got my test back about my AMH levels. So I'd had the test on the 7th and on the 13th, they'd gotten the results back. And it basically indicated that I didn't have really anything going on. The doctor said to me that 95% of women my age have more eggs than me. (laughs) And if you've been listening to this journey, I really sit in like these very tiny percentages of people that have things go wrong. Like my immunotherapy doesn't work for me. I sit in the 0.5% of people that have a bad reaction to immunotherapy. And like I have, you know, I'm a high achiever. What can I say? But um, it's just like, what? When he said that to me, I was like, um, okay, that's not a good result. So typically what they want to do is get 15 to 20 eggs and they like to do that twice. So they end up getting like 30 to 40 eggs. I was only able to do this one time because of the timelines and they were expecting a potential of like max three eggs. So normal women, 15 to 20, Courtney, three. Um, and so the doctors, I guess, kind of like tossed up whether just to even cancel it altogether as to whether it was going to be sort of a waste of time. But then he said, let's give it a bit more time and just see if we can give you like the highest dosage possible and just get you like on those drugs straight away and see if we can get any sort of, you know, juiciness going. So that's what we did. And like, I'm not going to lie, that was like a really hard thing. It felt like 
every time I went into a doctor's office, it was bad news. You know, I went in there and they're like, oh, the lumps come back as cancer. I went into the next one. It's like, oh, sorry, no, you can't have your immunotherapy. Oh, now you have no fertility. You know, it was really hard to be like, wow, I've put this all on hold and it could all be for nothing. So that was like another mind fuck. And it was, you know, it was really hard. So I decided to proceed. Um, and th- I mean, there was a couple of other medical things that I don't really want to get into in this podcast right now um, that was sort of associated with why I had such low fertility. Um, but it's something I'll probably get into down the track. But at this present time, we're not going into it. I think I share enough. I'm just keeping some things to myself, but I will at one point. Um, but yeah, it really felt like my body was failing me at every turn. You know, like it just, and this process has felt a little bit like that. As I said, immunotherapy, my body doesn't react the way that it should. And it's really hard to sit across from an 85-year-old and have them sit there and their body handle immunotherapy like a trooper. And they come in on their walker and they can hardly move. And they sit there and their body handles it fine. And I walk in like all energetic, young, vibrant, you know, my little matchy, matchy, colorful suits. And my body has a complete meltdown when it comes to any kind of treatment. It's it's frustrating. It did, does feel like this process has felt a lot like my body is letting me down, especially when you feel really mentally strong and you can't get your body to kind of like connect with your brain to do the same thing. It's really hard. Um, and then on the 17th, I went in for another blood test. So basically every two days I was going back in for blood tests, back in for internal ultrasounds. And my body was still not, this was day five, my body was still not responding to the drugs. So they put me again on a higher dosage, which usually I think you're only supposed to really be on for like three days. And I was ended up being on it for like a couple of weeks. And they then had to delay the egg harvest again. Um, and the doctor said like, you know, it might just be your body's reacting slowly because you've been on the pill for so long. You know, I'd been on the pill for years and years and years. So they thought that potentially it was because of that. Um and then 22nd, went back in, had another internal ultrasound. 25th, went back in to get blood tests, internal ultrasounds, and things started to look up. So then on the 25th, I went back in for another ultrasound and blood tests. Um, and it was then that things were kind of looking up. I had to do um, – I went into the doctor, had said to me, you know, I thought that last time you were here, which was the 22nd, that we were going to say no. We we're going to say to you that we couldn't proceed and that would have been fucking nightmare because this whole thing started at the start of January. Now it's the 22nd of January and he was going to say like, no, you can't have it. Um, but he said that like, you know, over the last test that you just did, things are starting to look up a bit. So he kept me on the, the higher dosage again um, and sort of said like, you know, your surgery is coming up, we'll book it for the Wednesday. Um, And like, to be honest, by that point, I'd been on the high dosage drugs for quite some time, which usually people are not. Um, Everything had been delayed many times. I was very bloated and swollen. Um, It just felt like everything was very cramped inside my, like my organs. Like obviously I know that they're growing my eggs to be bigger, but they grow them to like a very small, like the size of like a nut, you know what I mean? Like hardly anything. So they're not, it's not really taking up any space. But when I sat, would sit down, like I could feel like the bloatedness and the swelling of my organs. It was a really weird thing to describe, but I've had other women who've done the same thing kind of say the same thing to me that when you sit down, like you can almost feel everything inside of you. It's really a horrible feeling, but it's more just discomfort. It's not anything that's like 
too dramatic. But yeah, you definitely do feel swollen. I didn't really have any bad mood swings. I personally, even when I have my period, don't really get too emotional or too many mood swings. So thankfully, you know, it didn't really impact me that much. But apparently all the drugs now are like really more advanced than they used to be. So people don't get as impacted as what they have in the past with all the changes to their hormones that they, you know, women act like very high moods, very low moods. Apparently it doesn't happen as much anymore with the mood swings. Um, So then on the 27th, I had another internal and blood tests um, and they pushed the surgery back a few more days. And then we were finally locking it in. So this all started on the, let me have a look. I did my first day of drugs on the 13th and then my surgery was on the 31st. So that was kind of the turnaround there. So on the 29th, I did my trigger needle. So you have to take this thing, they call the trigger needle exactly 36 hours before your surgery. And so what it does is apparently, again, don't quote me, it makes it so that your eggs release from the lining of your ovaries so that they're easy to kind of like suck out. They put in like a I guess, like a vacuum up through your vagina and suck out, you know, the eggs. And so um, I just, you know, he said to me, like, hopefully your body will be in a good position. We'll do the trigger thing and you'll get the surgery on the 31st and hopefully your body plays ball. So I just want to quickly talk about the needles all up. So as I said, it's a lot of needles that you have to have, but they don't hurt at all. You, You have to be like a real wuss to think that they're painful. Like they're really nothing. I was a wuss in that I couldn't give it to myself. And so I had my dad do it. I had some of my staff members do it. Like it was like, I'm like, Lang, Belinda, please give me my needles. So I had everybody else do it. I did not do it to myself, but it does not hurt at all. There were occasions where it's like certain people that administered it weren't as as good. So it was like a bit more of a prick, but other times, you know, as a whole, it's not a very, it's not very unpleasant. It's fine. Um, and then, yeah, I think that that's pretty much like it about the needles. It's not that bad. The only thing is that you have to have them in a very specific time and they have to stay refrigerated. So you always have to make sure that you're by a fridge at exactly the time that you need to have them. So that's just another sort of finicky kind of thing that you need to carry around these needles with you, sort of making sure that, am I going to be at home? Will I be at work? Like what's the situation? So you kind of have to really plan your week out. But I guess if you, you know, you want kids, that's the kind of planning you got to get into it, I guess. Um, So yeah, I had the trigger needle. I went over to mum and dad's 36 hours before. My dad gave me the needle. And then on the 31st in the morning, it was like bright and early. um, I had my surgery. It took about 30 to 45 minutes. um, And they tell you that when you wake up, they will have written on the back of your hand how many eggs they got which is exactly what happened. It's a very bizarre feeling to wake up and see the results of a surgery written on the back of your hand. Um, and I don't – I. what happens if you get none? In my head I was like, are they going to write zero on my hand if I get none? Like that seems like a pretty emotional thing to do not to have the doctor tell you or if they – I guess maybe they don't write anything but then you also know because nothing's written there so you know something's wrong. So it's a bit of a weird system to be honest. But yeah, I woke up and as I said, usually people get 15 to 20. We were hoping that I would get three. The doctor had said there was the ability for me to get max eight. There were only potential that, you know, by the time I had my last test, he said there are potentially eight there that we could get. We're hoping for three, but max eight. And I ended up with six. So yeah, I couldn't go again. Um, So six is not 
an ideal situation, but it's better than zero. And it did feel like, okay, well, at least I did it for something. You know, I did get a result out of it. Um, so yeah, you come out of the surgery, they give you a sandwich, make sure your blood pressure's all right, and then just send you on your merry way with some painkillers. Um, about 12 hours later, the drug started to kind of wear off. It did become quite painful. It felt like a really, really bad period pain. Um, you know how when you get your period, you get like a cramp and then the cramp like holds on and then a few minutes later it kind of releases and you get that kind of like, okay, the pain's gone and then a few minutes later the, the cramp comes back. It's like that but it's consistent, like the cramp doesn't go away. So the drugs just kind of took the edge off that. Um, and then the next morning I flew to Sydney for a girls' weekend. <laughs> so I hadn't planned that very well but obviously when my doctors gave me my surgery dates it was supposed to be well before that. But because it kept getting put off, it then ran into this weekend. And I said to them, like, can I fly after this surgery? And they said, look, you're really supposed to be taking it easy, but you have to wear compression socks. So can you imagine what a fuckwit I felt like on a flight to Sydney from Queensland for one hour? I'm wearing deep vein thrombosis socks. Also, it was right at the very start of COVID. And because I knew that I had a very tight window from when I was finishing fertility to when I had to start the immunotherapy to make sure it was, you know, all within that time. I knew that I couldn't get sick, right? And if I got sick, they might, you know, they're not going to let me in to get my immunotherapy because all this COVID stuff is happening. So I wore a mask on the plane and we were some of the only, my friends did too, we were some of the only people in the airport that were wearing masks at that point. And everybody else that was in there was looking at us like dramatic. But I knew I couldn't, like I couldn't afford to get the flu or to get COVID because then I wouldn't have been able to get my treatment. So yeah, I was like wearing deep vein thrombosis socks and wearing a mask. It was like a real just dramatic, like hypochondriac. It was just crazy. Um, But you know what? I got through it healthy. So that was really good. Um, So yeah, I flew to Sydney and had a girls weekend. I was taking painkillers whilst I was there um, and I did push myself a little bit too much. So by the final, um, you know, day I was pretty wrecked and sore and I did push myself a little bit too much, as I said. So yeah, I I wouldn't recommend that. You're supposed to rest, but this book was this um, was already booked in. But in saying that, I still was able to go out. We did dinners, we went shopping, you know, all that kind of stuff. So if you have to, you can, you, you will need painkillers, but it's really not that bad of a surgery. It's 30 minutes. Your body's just like a bit tender and sore. You're a bit tired after it. And that's pretty much it. Um, and yeah, so the whole process really, I had heard so many bad things about it, you know, like all these needles and then, you know, your hormones are all over the place, so your emotions are all over the place and you have surgery. It's like a whole dramatic thing, but it really isn't. It's like the needles don't really hurt that much. It's you're in, you're out and that's it. You know, it was, it was a pretty simple process. So if it's something that you're looking at doing, I would recommend it. It's really like, I couldn't speak more highly of it. Like it was a great process apart from the mental side of like, you know, all the cancer stuff and putting things on hold. I feel like it was a pretty seamless thing that all, you know, even obviously I'd had issues. I felt like it ran pretty smooth. You know what I mean? Like compared to a lot of other surgeries that I fucking had, it was a lot easier than that. So if it's something that you're kind of scared of doing, it is really not a big deal at all. Um, Now, with regards to cost, because I've had a few people ask, I can't actually give you how much it cost me. Um, 
all the time frames. As I said, everything was fast tracked for me because one, the cancer treatment and two, I was already on the pills. So things were able to be fast tracked a bit. And then it's the same with the costs. So my doctor said to me, you you know, you have to call and book your anaesthetist. You have to call and book your theatre, all of those things. There's drugs that you have to get for it. All those costs come into it. And my doctor had said to me, along the way, every time you have to book something, tell them why you're doing this surgery. And so when I went to book the theatre, I called and said, hi, I'm getting this because I have cancer. And when I booked the anaesthetist, I said, I'm getting this because I have cancer. So everybody gave me a cancer discount, which was amazing. So I got pretty much everything half price. So I can't really tell you like the true cost of anything um, because everything was kind of like discounted for me. The government did cover a fair bit of it too. Um, And I don't know that that was because of cancer. I think like the government just did cover some of it and I did have private health care, but that didn't cover any, I don't believe. So I can't really get into that with you. I'm sorry. But as far as I'm aware, I don't think that it was astronomical. I think the IVF process, the next step is the part that's really expensive. And I think freezing your eggs, actually, like the storage facility is like 500 bucks a year. Like that's nothing. Um, I think the IVF might be the expensive part, but I don't know much about that, obviously. Um, So yeah, that's basically been the journey. And then the next step to that is a few months ago, I was informed that I can't have kids for five years. So as I've said before, you have to wait five years before you get the official all clear. The way that melanoma works is it's a fucker. And once it's in your system, it can come back just as easily. And so it takes five years of getting PET scans and all clear, all clear, all clear before you can actually be officially all clear and clusters safe. And so doctors have said to me, we do not want you to have children during this period. One, because if I have a kid, I can't go and get PET scans. You know, if I'm pregnant, I can't go and get radiation pumped into my body to get a PET scan. So it, it means that I can't get the tests that I need to, to check if my melanoma is coming back. Number two, my body is working really hard with the immunotherapy drugs to kind of heal itself. And so putting your body then through pregnancy would mean what well, I can't do my treatment and two, my body isn't working on healing itself. It's working on making another human. And then three, the other thing is apparently, you know, like when you're pregnant, it all of your hormones and stuff change. And so it can actually increase your chances of like, um, I don't really understand, but like the hormones and stuff sort of can trigger stuff with the melanoma. Apparently it's the same thing with breast cancer. So I have been told that I have to not have kids. And given my age, (laughs) that would make me about 39 years old when I'm allowed to have children. And so firstly, uh, when I heard that, I was a bit shocked because I was like, wow, I feel like maybe someone should have told me that before I went to the whole ringmorale of freezing my eggs that I now potentially can't even use. So I was a bit like, that was like really the time that that should have been said to me. Um, But also... I found it hard because all of a sudden it was no longer my choice. And I think that was really the difference this whole time, my whole life. It's my choice if I want to have kids. And now I'm being told, no, it's not your choice anymore. You can't have them until you're 39 years old. And that does feel like, you know, obviously, There are people who have kids later in life, but it does feel like a bit more difficult to have kids later in life. You know, there are other routes I can go down. Like obviously I could adopt or I could use my eggs as a surrogate. I think 
in Australia you're allowed to if you have it for medical purposes. Obviously, it's not something I know a lot about, but you know, obviously there are other routes. But as a woman, there's always that like feeling that it's what your body is supposed to be able to do, you know, and that fucking pressure again that, you know, women are supposed to be able to give birth. And that's why a lot of women have such hard times when they are infertile and they're not able to. So, you know, there was just like so much going on with this whole process. And it's just been like a really, really difficult. And it's, it's, I think it's difficult for a lot of women, whether they have cancer involved, whether they've got fertility issues or, you know, whatever it is, it's not always clean cut for everybody. And I think it really was highlighted to me when I went to a baby shower one day after I found out that I wasn't allowed to have kids for five years. Um, And obviously the people at that baby shower had no ill intent whatsoever. And the way that women speak about their children is beautiful, you know, how much they love their kids. But for the first time when I was at a baby shower, obviously I've been to many before. And because I was like, oh, it's my choice if I want kids or not, I didn't really care what women, women had to say to me about it. But all of a sudden, everything changed at this baby shower because there were women who didn't know that I'd been told this news and were saying things like, oh, you know, when when it's yours, it'll be different. You'll want one when it's yours. Don't worry. Everything will change when you have a baby. You know, it's what we're made to do. You know, that's what life is about and all these kinds of things. And all of a sudden it was just like, fuck, you know, that's a lot to say to me. And it's like, does my life have no purpose now because I can't have children for the next five years and potentially ever? You know, it's like a really, it's a horrible thing to hear at a baby shower. And I was just thinking to myself, wow, I understand why women with fertility issues don't fucking want a bar of this. You know, like these are my friends who I love and know that I don't really, am not really hugely comfortable with the whole thought process of having kids and they're still putting the pressure on me that one day I'll change my mind and when it's my kid it's all so different and it's the purpose to life and you know it's like wow it's so much pressure as a woman I don't know a men sitting around at a pub having these conversations I'm not sure it feels like the pressure is a little bit more on the women's side and it was just I felt like pretty shitty when I left that baby shower to be honest again No one at that baby shower knew what was going on with me. None of them had any ill intent. And it's beautiful that they feel so passionate about their children. And, you know, I'm so happy for them that they know what the fuck they're doing. They don't have any issues, (laughs) you know, but um, it is really hard. And they really highlighted to me that how heartbreaking it would be for a woman who desperately wants a child and isn't able to have one. I'm not even in that scenario where I desperately want it but all of a sudden once it's taken away from you and it's no longer your choice it's so much harder um and then there was also something with like one of my friends who at the time I think what she said just kind of slipped out and she didn't really realize that what she had said was very hurtful but my mum was actually present basically two seconds after Emily Skye had had her son on her lounge room floor. Deck had Emily's partner Deck had called my mum to ask her to come over to look after Mia at the in the early hours of the morning and my mum got there and walked in and Emily was like lying on the floor with the baby like blood everywhere on her chest like just had the baby and mum had said to me and my friend you know like wow, it was really special to kind of be there for that moment. Like I feel very honoured that I was able to be there for that. And my friend just kind of blurted out, well, at least you get to have that experience once. And she didn't mean anything bad by it and just wasn't even thinking. But I was like, oh, my fucking God. Like, wow. 
I didn't say anything in the time. I just kind of got on with what I want. But my mum was so uncomfortable and like because it's put on this pressure and now my mum as well that her point to life is to be present when her daughter has a baby, you know, and that my point to life is to give my mum this gift of being present when I have a baby. You know, it's like all these things that we say to women without even realising, you know, like when you say to a, a couple like, oh, when are you getting pregnant? You don't know what fertility issues that they're having or if they even want kids, like what's going on. It's just so weird that it's just something that we put out there for people and it can be such a trigger point, such a painful thing for so many couples, women, men, whoever, you know, that and I know men who have fertility issues as well. It's obviously not just women, but obviously I'm speaking from my perspective as a woman. Um, you know, it's it's so much fucking bullshit that comes along with it and we don't even realise the way that, like, we as, you know, society put this pressure on women to feel like this is what you were born to do. Your body is made for this. And when your body doesn't do what it needs to or you're not able to do that, you feel like a failure and it's fucked up, you know, like – I feel like a failure because my mind is my heart isn't getting me across the line with wanting children. Again, that could change if I get into like a committed relationship in the next two years and all of a sudden my husband or my partner really wants a kid and maybe I'll be like, actually, I can see how this family would work and I would want to have a kid in this scenario. I don't know. But, you know, it's like there's so much that goes along with it and there's so much pressure that's put on women to have kids by a certain age, do tick all the boxes and, you know, you're supposed to want this. You're supposed to want to be a mother and it's the best, the greatest job you'll ever have, you know, and then it's like what if I don't want that job? What if I am not qualified for that job? What if my body can't physically do that job? You know, it's there's so much involved with it and I'm, you know, like I know this isn't just me that feels this way. There are so many women out there that feel that way. You know, and it's probably a lot of you listening right now that, you know, feel as though you can hear so loudly in your mind that tick, 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 and people are reminding you, look at the time, look at the time. How old are you now? You guys have been together a long time. When are you getting the baby? Oh, I really want a grandchild. All that pressure that's put on us, it's insane, you know, and so, look, I'm not even going to give you an answer at the end of this podcast. I don't still know if I want children. I'm definitely open to it. I haven't said no. I'm open to the idea that like, you know, down the track potentially, as I said, if I'm in a relationship and that's kind of where it's headed, I'm open to the idea of it. But I just feel like I'm supposed to like want to be like, oh, hold the baby. But I've had a lot of you slide into my DMs and say that you never had that, but you are really glad that you had kids. And then I've had some people be like, it's the fucking hardest job. I'm not sure if it's for me. I'm not sure what I was thinking, you know, and kind of like not necessarily regret it, but just like maybe it wasn't the best choice. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't want to like call anyone out obviously, but there are some people who have a lot of difficulty with being parents um, that have slid into my DMs too. And, you know, they've been like, you know, don't do it unless you're hundred percent certain because it's fucked, <laughs> you know, it's like a big life change. So yeah. I don't know. I just wanted to kind of like share that story for anybody. If you are thinking about freezing your eggs, I would say do it sooner rather than later. I didn't know that I was going to rock up to a doctor's office at fucking 33 years old and him say like, you are not very fertile. (laughs) I had no idea that was going to happen. So don't ever assume. And if you're like, you know, in your 20, 29, 30, start now. As I said, like your eggs only start to like decline. If it's something that you know that you want, then do that. 
if it's not, then obviously like, you know, the pressure is fucked and I feel you. I know what it's like to feel that. So yeah, there's no conclusion here. Maybe in a few years time, I'll have a conclusion where I'll be like, nope, I decided that it's not for me. Or it's like, oh no, I have this amazing man and we, I went, we want a little family. And then I have to look into like, what are my fucking options? Because yeah, I'm not allowed to have kids for four and a half more years. So yeah, and that's, it's hard. It's hard. This whole thing has been very difficult along the way. There's been so many things that have been great. Like right now I don't have any cancer and that's amazing. And I'm obviously so grateful, but then there's been so much stuff that still comes with it. Like this pregnancy stuff, like the freezing the eggs, like the fact that my immunity doesn't really work on me very well. And I have a bad reaction to it. Like the fact that I am supposed to be feeling really healthy, but the immunity doesn't make me feel that great, but I don't have any cancer, but I do have, you know, like I've, I was on, um, hinge tinder one of the apps and (laughs) it was like I'd had immunotherapy that day I got home and I was like on the app and a guy was like hey what did you get up to today like (laughs) what do you fucking say oh I just got home from cancer treatment do you know what I mean (laughs) like it's a fucked up situation to be honest but I'm still here I'm still kicking and that's the main thing and you know like There are still options for me if that's the route that I want to take. But overall, this has been really fucked up. It has been mentally very difficult. Physically, it's been very difficult. But I just wanted to kind of share that with you. I get a lot of people responding when I talk about the baby stuff. And I don't know, it's taboo to say that you don't really like kids. But that's exactly what it is. And it doesn't make me a bad fucking person. It doesn't make me heartless. You know, like if there were like, Kids that, you know, when Mia comes in, Emily's kid, and wants to play, I sit and play with her. You know, I don't hate kids, but, like, I'm not, like, seeking out children at the shop and, like, oh, my God, can I hold your baby? Yeah, I'm just not drawn to babies. I don't know what it is or kids, but, yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to kind of share that story in case anybody was thinking about freezing their eggs to let them know that that's kind of the process. It was a bit more dramatic for me than it is for the normal woman or the average woman slash 95% of women. Um, But overall, even though it was very up and down for me, it was quite an easy process. And if you're wanting to do that, I recommend it. Do not be scared. There's literally nothing to be scared of. Um, And yeah, it's it's worth it if that's what you want to do, because the last thing you want is to rock up and be like, I have plenty of time and then find out that if you'd frozen your eggs a few years later, you would have had more options. So if you know what you want, take action now, I guess is what I would recommend. Um, But yeah, with regards to the baby stuff, I just wanted to actually share that because you don't often hear a lot of people talking about that they don't necessarily think that they want kids. And even a lot of the TV shows that I talked about at the start with women who said that they didn't want children they ended up having children on those shows anyway. Um, And so it's still, there still is that underlying thing of like, yeah, you have your career, but in the end you still have kids. You know, it's still there, that, that whole piece that women are supposed to want that. So I just wanted to say that if you're anything like me, you're not alone. I don't know either. Or if you do know, more power to you. If you don't want kids, good for you. And that's the life that you want to lead more power. If you do want kids, good for you as well. And if you don't, we're on this journey together. Who knows when we'll make up our minds. So yeah. Anyway, I'm going to finish with my attitude of gratitude. And, you know, like after 
sitting down to write this episode, I've just realized like, wow, freezing my eggs was in February. And that seems like so fucking long ago, like so long ago. It's crazy. Um, and like this year has just been a whirlwind, like got cancer, froze my eggs, don't have cancer, got cancer treatment, started a side hustle, started a podcast. It's been like a w- COVID, COVID. <laughs> it's been a whirlwind this year. It's been really insane. Um, but yeah, I am just grateful that I'm at the back end of this ordeal. I am in a good mental space, hoping for some excellent results from my PET scan coming up. And yeah, that's what I'm grateful for at the moment. And this week's thought of the week, do what is right for you. No one else is walking in your shoes. Anonymous. Well, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I will be back next Tuesday with a new app. But in the meantime, listen to your own heart, not what society is telling you, and protect the skin you're in. Follow me on Instagram at Courtney Mangan, at She Was The Fire, at Courtney Mangan Co. Share, subscribe, do all the things. Bye.